Hey, thanks for asking, brother. So, I'll tell you a story. These two people are very different, very divergent, and yet so harmonious. And at the time I met them over dinner at their place, um, he was loud and talkative and, and playful. She was more grounded and at ease and uh, more on the side of listening. She's vegan. He eats meat. And yet they work. On the surface, it looked like there could be so much in terms of um, conflict between them. But uh, there wasn't conflict. And again, there was harmony. And personally, it came at a time when I was noticing how perpendicular Alex and I were. Alex was my former fiance, the partner who I let go of about two, three months ago. And uh, what meeting Janet and Marty did was it gave me hope. It made me believe that it was possible for Alex and I to remain our separate beings, but be harmonious enough to create a relationship that could last. And while that didn't happen, I still believe it was at least possible and they still inspire me because I don't want whoever I end up being in relationship with to be a uh, carbon copy or a cookie cutter person. I want them to be their own person and just as strong-willed and determined and clear on who and how they are as I am. And also what inspires me, I mean, this should be obvious, 47 years, many of which living together in a beautiful house in uh, the most upscale area of Ruston, Louisiana, which generally speaking is not an upscale town. Um, they are crafty, they are artistic, they are creative, they are fun, they are playful, they're uh, just, he, they're both very well read and intelligent um, yeah, hopefully that's enough. I know that that's like 6x what you asked for, but there you go, buddy. And thanks for asking. It really helped me to touch something inside me. So as you just heard, that was a voice note from my friend Lou, who I texted him and I said, hey, could you just tell me a little bit about Janet and Marty before the podcast so that I can, you know, go into the podcast being a little bit more in informed um, and that's what he sent me. And I thought, what a beautiful introduction to this couple and to the podcast. So I left it in. <laughs> Welcome to the Heartbeat Podcast. This is the series Real Love Stories, where we interview inspiring couples who've made their relationship last. If you're new here, I'm Kevin Crenshaw. I've made it my life's work to study love and relationships and human connection because I believe deep down it's what we all want. And I also believe that it's the reason for being here. And I'm doing this podcast series 
Um, because I think a lot of people don't have healthy relationship examples in their life. And I know that they're out there. And so I want to create a place where we can highlight that we can celebrate that and we can get these couples to share what's made it work for them. And this can hopefully be a place where you have a library of amazing stories and advice and how to make it through any given situation, no matter what your relationship dynamic is or your relationship preference is. Um, I want to have a wide variety of uh, couples that I interview on here so it can be applied to your life. And hopefully you can have as much fun listening to these episodes as I have recording them. And today, as you heard, we're talking with Janet and Marty, and um, they're a really unique couple. They're, they're totally different people. They got different personalities, and they find a way to make it work. Um, 47 years, that's definitely an accomplishment. We talked about um, commitment. We talked about parenting at such a young age and how they got through that, as well as many other things. They share some beautiful stories about their relationship and in their life. And uh, you get to know them on a personal level as well. So without further ado, you are listening to my interview with Janet and Marty. This is the Heartbeat Podcast, Real Love Stories. How'd y'all meet? Well, we were in college. Um, We both remember that, well, Marty for sure remembers the time we met. I remember the time I don't remember him at that moment, but we I were. remember her. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so he I, he had eyes first. Oh yeah, no, it's love at first sight. It was a chemical rush. It was you know the weird hormonal thing that happens to you. I just I had to be with her. But I had to wait for a year to, for her to dump the loser she was with. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, you knew like there was just like an inner knowing. Did you describe that? Because that, that is, I did not know her, but I was attracted to. So I was, uh, I just started on campus and I didn't know anyone at the college. I went to a college where I didn't know anyone kind of intentionally just to start something completely new and different. And I saw a group of people, um, all guys. And then one woman who it turned out was a professor, a young professor. And they were um, all standing around. Um, She had a dog and I love dogs. And so I thought, well, I can get to know some people that way. So I went over and I said, you know, you know how you do, you approach and say, hey, you can start talking to the dog first, then you talk to the owner. And then, so that's actually when we met, but it was a group of people and I don't remember Marty specifically at that time. I remember. I do remember though, um, sometime later, um, he was walking across the street, going over to his dormitory. And I thought, I just really noticed him and thought, wow, I really like that guy. I didn't even know him, but I thought I really liked that guy. Um, there was something about him that even from a distance, I was attracted to. Mm-hmm. So. There you go. So then when, when did y'all actually meet meet and like get to know each other better? How did that happen? My senior year. I was active in student government. She was um, had a position. She was the Miss College of the Ozarks. And I was the student body president. And it kind of threw us together to do a bunch of stuff for incoming students. And once we got working together, it didn't take very long. So I was, um, I was working and you could get, at, at the college, you could get um, 
some college credits by taking something called community time. Uh, community, I can't Yeah, remember. something. Yeah. Anyway, you could well, do some volunteer work and get credit for it. So I started working as a youth director of this church that was way out in the country. I mean, you know, outhouse and um, no running water of any sort and um, picking up the kids on the van because none of them had transportation. So I thought it would be kind of nice to get to know Marty better. So I said, oh, I'm getting credit doing this, this volunteer work. And he said, well, I'll look into it. So he started there and that's when we really got to know each other. And one of the things that she was a Christian and I thought that was kind of weird. And, um, but I signed up that <clears throat> to be involved in that so I could be close to her and get to know her better. Mm. So talk, talk a little bit more about that. Cause I, I know like that, that's kind of a big thing. If that she was a Christian and you, you weren't, or just thought it was weird. Oh well, yeah. I was not really raised in the church and uh, it was all kind of, Back then, we called them Jesus freaks. We thought they were kind of weird. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to get, you know, she was clearly Christian, uh, not not in an annoying way, just kind of in a way that was kind of intriguing and kind of a mystery to me. And um, I uh, uh, I wanted to get into her pants, so I had to figure out this. <laughs> and um, and it was a small college. Uh, there was there's a whole story there, but it eventually. Uh, uh, was a big part of my my journey and mm. she introduced me to a whole sort of new way of thinking about things and a, um, she and a lot of other people uh, in fact i'm i am a retired presbyterian minister and oh wow so that's where we we moved to austin after mm -hmm. college because i there's a seminary that i attend so awesome. was, yeah uh, my life is something that happened to me when i had other plans <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But it was, um, it, it was, you know, in many ways, she was the catalyst that that helped me on my journey. Mm -hmm. And I and my initial goal was to get into her pants. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, so when did when did y'all know that there was something more, or you know, the question that I get asked, um, or that was asked by my community, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, two couples on this podcast was like, when did you just know that like this was your person beyond just the uh, initial attraction? Initial attraction. Uh, and it was a, a, a powerful attraction, I believe for both of us. Mm. And it was chemical. It was hormonal. It was mm. like, I could not be with her enough. Mm. Um, I like my freedom and um, it kind of scared me because it was so powerful. Um, but but it was one of those things that grew. And and then the more that I, I saw her, the more I liked her as well. And not that she's perfect. Trust me, she's not. Um, but um, she's near it. She's <laughs> and uh, so um, I, I think it was pretty soon for me. One of the things that um, I noticed right away is when he did start working with the youth group is that the kids really liked him. I mean, there was a driver and there was me and they were like, they were okay with us, but they really connected to Marty. Mm -hmm. And I thought he has something there that, you know, other people see in him as well. Mm, that's awesome. And I liked that he was good with youth. Mm -hmm. 
that was important to me, that he wasn't impatient with them or, you know, demeaning or disrespectful or anything. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And they loved her. It was clear. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, and y'all have been together for 47 years. If I, I heard that correctly from Lou, yeah. Um, was is that in total or, or married or? Oh yeah, that's marriage. Marriage. Uh, so total. No, no, add... Two years, I guess. One no. year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all, y'all moved pretty quick then. Oh yeah. We did. Yeah. yeah. Our our first time that we actually ended up together the first time he kissed me we, I, it was uh, a halloween dance and <clears throat> by the next december we were married wow so, so yeah. 14 months later mm-hmm. yeah. we, we had a plan uh, we i was going to go to seminary she was going to transfer <laughs> to austin to university of texas and change her and, and finish her bachelor's and uh, we failed uh, either the night we were married or the next morning we failed on some form of birth control. And uh, so we had a kid. Then, and then 22 months later, we had another child. We failed on another. <laughs> <laughs> we planned to have kids, but not quite like that. So yeah. we all kind of grew up together. Uh, uh, yeah. together. That, no, that's not true. It doesn't always keep people together. It is a strain, but um, it is a, it's difficult to have kids when you're young, mm-hmm. but it's also uh, uh, a blessing because you have more energy when you're young. For reference, how old were you? Uh, I was 23 when our first child was born, and she was 21. 21 when Jean was mm-hmm. born, 22 when Jack was born. Almost wow, 20. yeah. I could see how that extra energy would be a blessing, but could also be challenging. How did <laughs> how in that time, because that's a lot of responsibility, that's also mm-hmm. a lot of change, a lot of commitment, happening really fast when you're really young. How did you, each of you keep your individual like sovereignty and like still have yourself and your life or did you uh, on top of the, the relationship and being parents? Do you want me to take the first stab? Or? Yeah, go ahead. I think our faith journey was a part of it. Um, yeah. uh, prayer, meditation helped. Um, but there, there's also... Um, she was at home with children. I was busy at the church. Uh, so um, th- th- there is work commitment and responsibility. I'm the only one bringing in an income, which is, uh, which we needed. But also that's difficult for her because she's at home and she has career plans and hopes and dreams and all that has to be <laughs> delayed. So there, w- there was a good bit of um, Tension, pressure, mm-hmm. disappointment, <clears throat> frustration. And we just learned to live through it. How? How did you live through it? Like, how did you move through those times? Because that's, that is a lot. Um, you know, do you want the truth? Yeah. All right. A commitment. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I don't want to speak for her, but for me, life is uh, difficult. Um, it has a lot of challenges, and uh, as a pastor, uh, uh, th- there is th- you have to make a lot of um, compromises, and you have to try to question where you're. For me, the commitment to Janet because I loved her was um, 
has always been a commitment that um, I felt, you know, I can keep that commitment and not have to compromise it. Mm -hmm. I can be committed to her even when I don't like her, even when I'm angry at her. I, the relationship, keeping the relationship whole just was for me always sort of foundational. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, What attributed to that for, for you? Because I, I know about leaving me a lot more than I ever thought about leaving her. And she had, mm -hmm. um, she had more reason to leave me than I had her. I, I, I was, I was a little bit more difficult to live with, I think. Mm -hmm. I want to get to that in a second, but I mean, you touched on commitment, which I think is a big thing for men, especially uh, to develop uh, that level of commitment. What attributed to that for you? Or, or was it just something that you was, it was like, you know, what's a no brainer? Like um, the commitment for me came from my faith, mm -hmm. uh, but also um, just a, a desire to be uh, true to uh, one thing and not, not have my life be a compromise about everything. Mm. And, and so just having something to, this has always been my anchor, my, um, uh, my love. And, um, and there were many times I thought, well, I don't think our marriage is going to last or, or she's crazy. And how do I live with a crazy woman? Um, but the, the underlying commitment um, never really changed. And mm. I, I don't, I can't put it into better words than that. I wish I had a yeah. better way to say it. No, that, that was perfect. Thank you. And, you know, you all mentioned there was a, there was a few rough times where you didn't think it was going to last. <laughs> just a few. Um, either one of you, if you could just speak on that of it, whichever you feel most comfortable with diving into and, and how you actually move through it together. Your turn. <laughs> okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was having two small children and um, <clears throat> then eventually when I went back to college and having two small children and going to college, and it, I mean, we just had all kinds of stresses. And for a few years, financial, we had financial stress. Eventually, we got to a point where we didn't have that anymore, any longer. But then you also have the stress that we were... In many ways, not in all ways, but in many ways, we were raised differently. And so I had different expectations of what, how you treat your children than Marty did. We had different ideas about how to raise them. And I was pretty unbending about that. Uh, my parents mm -hmm. didn't believe in punishment at all. Got it. And his did, they, I'm assuming. What's that? And, and Marty's did, I'm assuming. Yes, his parents did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yes, but not as, it, it sounds like we were beaten all the time. No, it's just, um, carry on, I'm sorry. Oh. I, I, will, I will get to edit you later. Go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> the strongest thing I ever got from my parents was, you know, I think you should go to your room now. Um, or, you know, until, until we get a chance to cool down. Or um, <clears throat> occasionally, you know, we really expect more out of you. You know, you're you're really a a person with integrity, and so we didn't expect you to do that. That was we we're kind of disappointed that you did that. So that was like the worst thing I ever got, and I thought that's how you raise kids. And so, I mean, there was some of that. And um, how did we get through it? 
Well, honestly, with the kids, I was not movable. I was like, we will not spank our kids. We will not hit them. We will mm -hmm. not. I don't need hits, you know, like in the right. other Hit them on the bottom. Because mm -hmm. for me, spanking is hitting. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of dug my heels in with that and said, you know, we're going to do it this way. And then, but then there are other things that we um, disagreed on that I think we did Marty's way, you know? Absolutely. Um, Not very many, but some. <laughs> <laughs> but there was that, that kind of give and take of like, okay, yeah, you're right on this. Or, okay, yeah, like I'll or I compromise feel for your way. Or the reason, so strong the reason kids is behind it was um, a, a real, uh, and I think, which people sort of don't mm -hmm. look at when they're getting to, into relationship is, is the, the family or lack of family or whatever it is that sort of formed you, that there's imprinted in us ways of being that we're not aware of. And so Janet is, comes from a family, both her mom and dad were scientists. Everything was uh, discussed calmly, rationally. It doesn't mean that they weren't trying to, uh, they didn't get their own way. They did. They just did it in a, a quieter, uh, thoughtful uh, way in which they, Everyone had a chance to express their feelings. Mm -hmm. My family, very loving, not, not abusive, but uh, everyone talked all the time. And whoever was loudest got heard. My dad was loudest, so he got mm -hmm. heard. The and, you know, her family was, was calmer. Mine is like a small third world nation in which I could break out at any moment. And even to this day, we get with my siblings, Janet has to take a break after a while because everybody's talking all at once and nobody's listening. No one listens to each other. Everybody's got to talk. <laughs> I've got the so visual of that in my head. It's just a yeah. different way of being. And that, that still influences us to this day. But being, being aware of sort of the, the forces that shape us helps a little bit. Something else that has kind of helped us through the years, although probably not early on, but later on in our marriages, we had, um, we did the Myers-Briggs test. Mm. And <clears throat> before that, we would go to, I'm an introvert, extremely introverted. And Marty's, would you agree that you are very, very extroverted? <laughs> we would go to a party and we would like close it down. We'd be the last ones to leave and I'd be exhausted and I'd be so ready. Oh, no. And being a minister's wife, we had a lot of parties. We gave parties and we went to a lot of parties. And once we took the test, I was like, oh, Marty, I can't do this comfortably. We have to take separate cars. And we realized that it's okay for me to be there an hour and a half and then slip out. And it's okay for him to stay as late as he wants and pick up all that energy from being around people. That one way is not the right way and one way is not, you know, they're, they're both fine. So that and, and a few other things about the Myers-Briggs, it kind of... Do you, um, are you familiar with that test? I am, yes. Okay. Um, and I, um, I got trained in how to give it in fact, I did. Um, I ran a lot of marriage seminars. Uh, I learned. I got a lot of training, and I did all of that. My motivation behind all of my training and offering it, I became pretty good at it. Was trying to figure out how to live with a crazy woman, and 
And then finally, it took a couple of years. It took many years, actually. The light went off, and I realized she has to be married to me. Mm. And she has to put up with my weird shit. Mm. And I'm, I, I think I have the better end of the deal. Uh, I, but, but we are different. And I think that one of the things that the Myers-Briggs helps me, and that's one of the tests I give to everybody that I'm going to marry, get into a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. But is that a lot of times extroverts and introverts are attracted to each other because the extrovert is intrigued by this person who has a quiet sense of being and present and is kind of to herself. Uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with being shy or any. It's just that, that, that she needs alone time. And, and I found that intriguing. And I think she found the fact that I was good with people and outgoing sort of intriguing. Mm-hmm. But then when you connect and, and live that together mm-hmm. and you don't really understand it, it's, uh, it can create some tension. Because I go to a party and I get my batteries filled up. Mm-hmm. And when my batteries are getting filled up, hers are being drained. So it's, uh, it's. We've also done the Enneagram, right? The Enneagram, yeah. Yeah. And that's also been helpful. It's, to, it's helped me see other things too. I'll, uh, well, do you care no. if I say your number? No. Okay. So Marty will do something and I'll, no and I'll start to get frustrated. I'm like, oh, that's right. He's a seven. That's what sevens do. You know, he's a seven being a seven. So. <laughs> That's actually it's really honoring the other person and like their weird quirks or tendencies and mm-hmm. like how they are yeah. instead of making them how you think they should be, right? Right, right. And realizing that they see the world differently. And so mm-hmm. there are some things about them that they actually see the world differently and realizing that that my way is not the right way. You know, mm-hmm. it's just my perception. And Janet's brain <laughs> works differently than mine. She she can see a problem differently than I see it. And I see it differently than she sees it. And that still creates tension and frustration sometimes. But the reality is when we honor each other, it actually can become a strength. If we have a problem we're facing and we do it to work it through together, give it some time. Now, I'm not real good at that because I want to make the solution now. I want to fix it now. <laughs> and she needs time to think through things usually. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 So I, I, I try to honor her time and she tries to mm-hmm. honor the reality that, that I need uh, some, some, a decision and some closure. Mm-hmm. So. Right. I could see that. That would help. We've come a long way. We have. We're very old. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> the time. Um, you know, Lou, who, who recommended that I connect with y'all mentioned that you're almost two completely different people. You said how, uh, Marty, you eat meat and Janet, you're vegan. If, if I remember correctly, or he said maybe at the dinner that y'all were at, that was what happened or something, but he was just like, it seems like there was so many opportunities for conflict and there wasn't, uh, and it, it just went very harmoniously. Well, we do have. We do have conflict over the way we eat. I'm not vegan. Really? Okay. Um, no, we have um, we have bees. Got it. And I eat honey, and I do eat. I don't eat eggs ever. I try not to eat dairy ever, although mm-hmm. it's very addictive. And if I let myself have some dairy, then I have to really mm-hmm. go back to square one. Um, 
I don't like to eat meat and I don't eat meat very often, but Marty's a very, very good cook. He loves to cook. That's like when he retired, my mother was living with us and he became the, I was still working full time and he was retired. So he became the head, the cook <laughs> and he makes really fancy, elaborate, uh, delicious dinners that are not <laughs> always what I want to eat. Mm. But he loves doing that. And he loves having someone eat them and enjoy them. And so he cooks two days a week. And I eat some of what, and, and I always fix a big salad when he cooks. And I cook one or two vegetables, usually side dishes to go with it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll eat some of what he has prepared. And then I cook. He cooks two or three nights a week. I cook two or three nights a week. And then we do like a fin for yourself. You know, <laughs> I have like falafel in the freezer or something. Yeah. Like that. Is, is it more of like a moral thing of why you're not eating the foods or is it just like sensitivity? Um, so I don't know which it started with, but honestly, I, I think pretty much everyone who stops eating meat Well, actually, it started when my daughter was in elementary school, and she mentioned something about pigs being very intelligent. And I said, I'm not eating pork anymore. And um, I pretty much stuck to that. I don't eat pork. Um, (laughs) Every once in a while. (laughs) A piece of bacon once in a blue moon. Once in a blue moon. So I did it mostly, I I don't know which one I started with, probably more because I think it's better for the planet and better for my body. But I also, I don't like eating animals. So I don't know which. Yeah, well, what I'm getting at is I know somebody personally who has separated from their partner that had a separation because of dietary differences morally. And that was also a question from my community of, um, you know, if, some, if, if somebody has a different view on something, let's say food, for example, um, like how are y'all able to make that work or, or you know, how, how do you handle that? Because like I said, I mean, one of my friends isn't with his partner anymore. And the main yeah. reason was their lifestyle around food. Yeah. I have a suggestion or an observation. And that is that, um, that yes, that, that, that can actually be a value and a moral choice. Mm-hmm. My observation about Janet is most of her, she, she has some, she studies food a lot more than I do. She understands it more than I do. I don't want to because I, I don't want to know what I mean. And, um, but, she, uh, but, but a lot of it is health for her. Um, so it, 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 it's like everything else in our life. We've come to an accommodation. We've come to an understanding and it's cool. We go out to dinner and I want to get a steak and I want to buy a really expensive steak for me. All she orders is a couple of sides. You know what that means? She's a cheap date. Tango <laughs> and steamed asparagus. But in addition to that, she cooks a, she, I have, a, uh, I, I like to do some uh, potatoes and eggs, occasionally bacon for breakfast, but I only do that a couple of days a week. And she makes a heart healthy breakfast for me, um, uh, the three or four days a week. 
And I, I love it. And it's, uh, uh, I'm not going to give up eating bacon. But if I ate just the way I wanted to eat, I would weigh 350 pounds and be dead. Mm. So I'm, I'm health-wise, I'm very grateful for my wife because uh, I, I figure if I do like 60, 65% of what she does, I'll, I'll be good. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's like anything else in life. You do some accommodation. And I would bet, I don't know, I, I don't wanna, I'm not making a judgment, but I'm just, this is just my experience. That couple that split mm-hmm. didn't make it because they had the food thing. The food thing was probably just a symptom of something else that was mm-hmm. whack in their mm-hmm. ability to give and take. Mm. Makes sense. I, I, that 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 uh, finally understanding how to honor the other person is is what and, and to really be concerned about their needs being met is pretty much at the heart of any healthy relationship. One of the things too, because <clears throat> I I'm in a lot of like vegan Facebook groups because you get good recipes and all and. And a lot of people are, of course, militant vegans. You know, they feel like yeah. they, and I understand where they're coming from. They see the abuse. They want the abuse to stop. They want to say, why are you not seeing it? Why aren't you stopping? But it's like anything. It's like taking care of the environment or anything. Not everyone's going to be on the same page as you. And, you know, you just have to, You. it would be very easy to think, I'm, I've got it right. You've got it wrong. I'm the better person. You know, you're not doing your part mm-hmm. and that doesn't lead you to a good place and it doesn't help you make changes in the world that you want to make. You know, I think you have to say this person's not, doesn't see it the way I do and then accept that and move on and not try to force it on someone. But then it's the other way around too. I mean, people can try to, I don't drink and I'm in a book club and I sometimes felt like people have tried to kind of force it on me. Not, I don't think they would see it that way, but they, you know, why don't you drink Janet? Cause I don't feel good after I drink. Well, how about just a little bit of this red wine? Really pure? I just, you know what? I just, I just don't drink. And so, and I think it, it can be both ways. People can pressure you. So it's not necessarily I'm not saying the vegan person put pressure on the, I think it can go both ways. I think that omnivore can also. (laughs) I I personally think that it's fundamentalism that's killing us all. We tend to talk about fundamentalism in the Christian church. uh, But the the fundamentalism of I am right. And because I'm right, you must be wrong. And I and, and obviously you're wrong, and so I think fundamentalism is the true danger. Yeah, because you all have a very harmonious give and take. It feels like I mean that's what we've been talking about the past few topics. Ninety five percent of the time, <laughs> yeah. well, that's yeah. probably about right. And there yeah. are I mean, we have you know, we have a lot of history. We we uh, we don't get tripped up by the stuff we used to get tripped up by when we were young, mm-hmm. and quite frankly. Um, we don't have kids at home. And when you're both working and you have kids, there's a whole lot of agendas running and nobody has time for anything. And when you're retired, it's really pretty sweet. And I have one thing to do during the day. My calendar is full. 
<laughs> so I'm, I, you know, I, I, life is good. We both have health, and that's my goal is to, I don't care, really care that much how long I live. I've lived as long as my dad did. I just want to be sort of in my right mind and be able to wipe my own ass before I die. And there then you go. I can't do that. I'm going to go. <laughs> that's your mark of good health. Well, not good health, <laughs> but just being able to take care of your own needs. Yeah, yeah. Too. Life is good, mostly. Yeah. I love it. On on that topic, what's a story or a time where um kind of like a highlight reel almost of your relationship where you're like, oh my gosh, I loved that trip we had, or whatever, where y'all really connected with each other on a deeper level. Is there anything that comes to mind? Different times. Um actually for me, it was Marty and I backpacked into uh what was the name that part no no the place in the grand canyon oh uh havasu falls havasu falls we backpacked down to havasu falls and we had a little adventure on our way in but ended up both of us okay and safe and we were sitting um by Havasu and everyone else had gone into their tents and were already camping, were down for the night. And we were still sitting in the little pond at the bottom of the waterfall. And I just kept saying, can we just stay here a little longer? And Martin said, well, you ready? Just a little longer? Because I just, I really, I don't know. I enjoyed that moment so much. I enjoyed the setting. I enjoyed Marty's company. I enjoyed everything about that moment. And I just... Probably for an hour, I kept saying, just a little longer. Remember that? <laughs> I was ready for bed. <laughs> no. The opposite of the parties thing. Um, was it our 25th wedding anniversary when we went to Utah? Was it 25th? One of those two. The 25th, because we had uh, we hadn't had a honeymoon, and um, um, Janet um, planned it for us, and we went to some place out in Utah and skied, and we were in a little cabin, and um, like a ten foot by five. No, we were we were in an RV park <laughs> where you you pull your RV up, and there's a little cabin you can rent next to it. It's just a little hut. And we, we drove, flew in, rented a car, and we stayed there. And um, and I was re- I just remember reflecting on, you know, it's been 25 years and the kids are grow- almost grown. And I just remember thinking, uh, uh, and it was a beautiful setting. And all that, that whole trip, I kept thinking about our 25 years, how, how much we had been through. And I just being with her and not having all the responsibilities I normally have, I remember thinking and feeling how much I still was in love with her and how much um, I really look forward to getting old with her. And now here we are. Um, And some of it, some of it had to do with, you know, the commitment part, sometimes commitment can be a burden, but it didn't feel like a burden then. It felt like a gift. And um, she can be really annoying sometimes, uh, but I um, I have grown to appreciate um, 
even the annoying parts. Oh, not the many. So there you go. Uh, that's sweet. Um, Lou also mentioned to me that y'all were both pretty well read and researched and, and knowledgeable in different topics. Um, what what are your own personal areas of interest these days? Like in terms of study or research, what do you what do you enjoy diving into? Well, um, <clears throat> I have researched in the past quite a bit of permaculture, mm. and I we have a, a garden that this is another difference that we have. Marty has decided a few of the plants in our yard, and they're all ornamental. And I've decided a few of the plants, and they're all edibles. <laughs> so we have a lot of fruit trees and fruit bushes and grow vegetables. And, and beautiful uh, roses. Yeah, and try mm-hmm. to do it in, a, in beautiful roses. Um, we try, I try to do it in a sustainable way so that we don't have to, so we seldom water. or um, So permaculture is something that I've, been interested in for a very long time and still find interesting in gardening. Um, a lot of the books that I read, like right now I'm reading A Mystery, takes place on the Navajo Reservation. Um, but I'm also reading Grace in Aging. It's about <clears throat> becoming mindful and accepting the fact that um, we're closer to, probably closer to death, you know that we, um, that our lives will end and just becoming comfortable with the idea of dying, but not only comfortable with that, but spending enough time in quiet and uh, in mindfulness that when things do happen, your automatic response is, you know, you can get to that place of inner peace quicker. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading that book, and that's part of a book club book. And then I'm at another book club, and we're studying the Enneagram right now. Awesome. Yeah. And we just finished reading one by Sadhguru. Mm. Yeah. Finished reading one of his books. So that's what I'm reading right now. What are you reading right now? I'm reading uh, a book I read when I was probably in the ninth grade. And it was pro- the first book that really started me on the journey of uh, self-discovery. Um, I'm desperately trying to think of the name of the author, but it's uh, Victor Frankl. And it's called uh, Logotherapy, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And story of a psychotherapist who was in... Um, uh, World War II Jew in, in Germany and ended up in the concentration camps. And it, it talks about his, he talks about his experience, but really the story is the, the importance of finding meaning. And it, it, it's put me on, uh, it really, I wasn't aware at the time, but it was sort of one of the first steps in my faith journey. And I, I found a copy of that book and I'm enjoying re- rediscovering it. And some, um, another book whose title is escaping me, but it's more of a traditional Christian meditation. It's, uh, it's, it's Ignatian, it's, uh, but it's a practice. And I'm, I'm trying to rediscover 
I've been doing a lot of meditation with yoga and my yoga instructor, but I'm trying to rediscover some of the earlier meditations that I did uh, as a young pastor. Mm. And brings me a lot of sort of, it, it's, um, my mind is uh, like, um, I, I think of a lot, uh, it's working pretty fast all the time. Uh, not always, so often to my detriment. But I'm I'm work, I'm back working on how to slow things down so that I'm always on screen time or always in a book um, and working on slowing down. So I'm I'm my reading and study is in that direction. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have two questions that I ask every guest on the podcast, and um, I would like both of your answers on this one. What is your definition of love? Oh, um, I'll do. I'll go first, and I'll be honest. I, I don't think uh, there is a good definition hmm. because it. Um, I want to say commitment, but that is so shallow. Uh, it's much deeper than commitment. It is a, uh, you know, the, the whole Christian concept of, uh, of agape, of giving of oneself, irregardless of what you expect in return. Of, of, uh, for me, love is that, that which uh, cares deeply and passionately about the well-being of someone else. And um, not expecting a payoff. Now, I don't. I, I don't. For humans, I don't know that that's possible. I mean, I, I, everything is conditional with us. Uh, but trying to limit those conditions uh, for me, love is 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 the deep commitment. I want her to be happy. I want her to be pain free. I want her to be joyful. I want her to be um, to be content. I do want her days to be filled with joy. And, but because I'm human, there's a payoff for me. If if those things are true for her, my life's a lot easier. For me, that's love. It's caring for somebody and realizing you're being cared in return, cared for in return. I'm sorry, that's, and then, what started us on the journey though, too, is that the early, importance of being in the sack together Um, (laughs) that's still i mean those juices have long dried up but i'm uh, but that that reality and memory is still very much alive beautiful yeah i i think margie said it really well i don't know that i could add anything just i think that for me and i i love him more now than i did when we married by the definition you just gave and by the definition which I'm going to give, which is pretty much the same thing. And that's caring as much about him as I do about myself, caring about his well-being and his happiness as much as I do my own, if not more. I love that. Well, it's balanced, though, because if you... uh... That, that can be in, uh, that can be misused if one person is doing all the giving. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and becomes the servant of the other person's needs. Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily means becoming the servant because that wouldn't be what would be good for you for me to be your servant. Absolutely not. So, and I don't have to worry about that. And, well, and one of the things that I had to that I had to learn is that um, sometimes uh, I'm going to say or do something that Marty won't like, but I feel is the right thing for us or for me or for the world or whatever. And I will, you know, have to let him be uncomfortable. Mm. So it doesn't mean you don't let someone be uncomfortable, sure. but in the long run, is that something mm. that benefits? Kind yeah. of right. Yeah. And she's pretty cool about, and I, I try to be, but it's a lot of times when you're trying to communicate those things, it's not really what you say. It's how you say it. Mm. It's the spirit you say it with. Mm. And so a lot of times that means uh, picking the right time and the, the right setting uh, to say hard things to each other. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even something I've said or done, but if Marty is doing something, if he's on the computer and things aren't going right and he's frustrated, in the past, I've wanted to try to fix that. You know, can I cook something for you? Can I bring you something? And now it's like, you know, let him be, (laughs) let him be uncomfortable with that. (laughs) I have to trust him to be able to, you know, figure it out on his own and grow from it in his own way. that's so awesome I, I love the sweetness that y'all have in your relationship just the tenderness and the love i can feel it so um if this is a kind of a fun question if your relationship was to be turned into a book what would be the title <laughs> there and back again i i, I don't <laughs> No, let me think. What would be better and better? I guess. Mm. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah, better and better. I love that. I like that. And um, I usually poll my audience, ask them questions, um, and they, so I have three questions from my audience uh, to you guys, and not necessarily knowing that it was you. They just had questions to couples who were in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Um. One question is, how do you create and maintain boundaries? Um, have a big enough house. <laughs> um, no, I'm deadly serious. Yeah, that's... Um, and I, and I'm, one of my concerns about modern housing is everybody has these huge living areas where everything happens in one room. Mm. I actually think there's some benefit in having discrete rooms where she has a place she can go, I have a place I can go. Um, and because sometimes we don't need to be next to each other. Um, and I, I, that's, that's kind of simplistic, but um, I think it's true. It's a valid point, yeah. Well, yeah, setting boundaries. Um, I, I don't know if it's just me or if it's um, all people, but I have had a hard time in my life setting boundaries and sticking with them. Mm. So I'm still learning. But for one thing, the, you know, what food, what food I will eat or not eat, that's something that's, you know, I feel like I mm-hmm. set a boundary and maybe reset it, reset it. But, um, so, yeah, just, I guess, how do you set them? Just knowing that it's 
important to you and why it's important to you and conveying that to the other person, you know, that I cannot give you that. I cannot give in this area and it would diminish me as a person if I did, you know, and just making it clear, but, but doing it, like Marty said, you know, you can say things with a charge or you can say things without a charge. And so if I'm angry, I'm, my voice is likely to show it. <laughs> my intention, I mean, the whole energy around me is, is likely to show it. So choosing a time when I can pull back and be calm and approach and say, I need to talk about this, you know. Um, and so setting, saying the boundary when you're not angry mm. is going to be, when you can mm. say it with kindness. That's a big one. Yeah, it is. It's not always easy to do. Yeah. Um, and realizing that you you work hard to set the boundaries, and uh, but that occasionally uh, she's going to step over the boundary I've set, and I'm going to step over the boundary she set, and those things are going to happen, and uh, usually that creates some conflict or tension, but. Um, there has to be some give and take. Yeah. And so, and yes, having your own room is important. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, and this is another question. What day-to-day things do you do for each other to make each other feel appreciated? Um, I was just, I was going to say, Marty makes, um, he takes oranges and grapefruit and cuts them up and makes them into, uh, this really delicious drink every morning. And I know he doesn't really particular. I suspect he doesn't really enjoy doing that. I think he does it because do. oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I do it for you. I think one thing that we do that. I didn't realize other people don't do. When Marty does something that's his normal routine, Marty does the laundry, all the laundry. Mm -hmm. And when my mother was living with us uh, for a few years, um, Marty would do the laundry and I'd say, thank you for doing the laundry, Marty. And she'd say, Janet, it's his job. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. And he did it and I appreciate it. And so I'll tell him that. (laughs) And he does the same thing. You know, this morning I fixed... Potato waffles with berries on top oh, for breakfast. Heart healthy breakfast. And he said, thank you for fixing this. He said, this is excellent. He said, thank you for fixing it. And so I think we acknowledge, verbally acknowledge when the other person does something, even though that is their assigned job, it doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that they did it, you know? So, yeah. and it, it also, not only is it nice for the person who's getting the, being shown the appreciation, but the person who says it, it's a way of reminding yourself, oh yeah, he didn't have to do that, but he got up this morning and he stripped the bed and he threw the sheets in and he, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it helps not having to work. Yeah. Being old. <laughs> <laughs> there are some advantages to getting older. Correct. Not everybody ends up in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Last question I have is, um, and I know y'all had mentioned um, that you help other couples. 
uh, in relationships and then some, some work there. So this is a question about uh, relationships in terms of marriage. What conversations would you have with your partner before marriage? Or what do you recommend that like, Hey, make sure you talk about this. May I? Yeah. I did, Cause I've done probably a thousand weddings and, mm. and with that uh, probably 780 premarital counseling sessions. Wow. And I, um, which I think are mostly useless um, because mm. uh, the people that should be paying attention aren't and the people that are really eating it up already know what to do. Uh, but what I would really suggest to people, it doesn't matter if you uh, have different personalities, if you think differently, uh, if you have different backgrounds. The thing, from my experience, the thing that, that must be solid is you must share similar values. If you don't share similar values, it's, it's going to pop up in some kind of way and uh, to your detriment. If you, if you have a different value base, um, it's, it's really hard. That's all I got. Yeah, I guess, you know, I think um, respect just, um, and that's, you can't just say respect the other person, you probably have to go into a whole chapter, but, you know, just realizing that they are who they are, and you can either choose not to be in a relationship to begin with them, you know, if, if they are if there are certain things that you are personally not willing to live with. Um, but if you are in a relationship, if you made that commitment, then realize that, you know. Janet and I have had this conversation for decades. And um, there was a little exercise I used to do with people that are getting into a relationship. And I would ask them to imagine that there's a button in front of them. And if they could push that button, it would change one thing about their partner. Hmm. And to get them to talk about the one thing that's kind of bugging or that they didn't like about the, and, um, you know, we, we, we often had good discussions about it. But the upshot of the exercise, of course, is that there is no button. And this is what Janet and I used to talk about because I was convinced that people don't change. In, in that you 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 have your own DNA, your own hard set wiring, and if you expect somebody to change, you're going to be disappointed. And she always posited that people do change, and and in a way, I think she's right. But my premise is still that you don't. When they do change, you no longer need them to change. <laughs> Going into a relationship, accepting expecting somebody to change or be something you need them to be, and they're not already there. That's a recipe for being disappointed. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. And um, I think that the change is that it's not that you can change someone. It's that a person can have some changes as they grow older and mature and spend time in meditation or, you know, whatever they do. <laughs> <laughs> So I do think people can change, but you can't change someone else. Mm, that's key. Yeah. Seriously, thank you so much for 
spending time with me today in this interview and just sharing your story, your wisdom. Y'all have such a beautiful, sweet relationship that I can see. I just feel it. And um, it's it's been an honor. It's been fun for me to learn from y'all as well. And I know plenty of people will get a lot out of this. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you in a relationship? I am. All right. Good luck. Enjoy Thank the you. journey. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, and I, every couple that I married, I had, I would give them the, but I know the one secret to staying married. Don't get divorced. There you go. <laughs> every time. Only every time, 100%. Unless, unless you're making everybody miserable and someone's beating you and get out. Mm-hmm. But other than that, work the process. It's worth it. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I do want to say um, we have a community. We've got a group of people that love love, that love talking about relationships and are looking to grow in their own love lives. Uh, Whether you're in a relationship now, looking to manifest somebody, whatever your situation is, um, if relationships is a value of yours and something that you're really looking to do some work on uh, mastering or getting better at at least, then I hope that you join us. We have a free app. Search Heart Gang on the App Store or on the Google Store, and you can find it there. It's basically like a Facebook group, but in its own app. Uh, So it's it's not on a platform. Um, You can DM people. You can connect with other lovers of love. And we talk about a lot of awesome topics in there. Sometimes I give coaching. I have free courses, video series to help you and your life um, really work through whatever's going on for you specifically. Also, you can be one of the first to access the podcast when they come out uh, and a bunch of other stuff. We've got a store, we've got swag, we've got live events, we've got all the fun stuff. And if you know of an inspiring couple who you're like, man, this couple, they, they are really inspiring to me and I want to hear more about their story or your Kevin should interview the, these people. That is the place to reach out to me or you can email me Kevin at heartguy.com and let me know who you would love to have on the show. Any recommendations? They don't have to be famous. They just have to be successful at relationships, Um, which, you know, before even recording this episode, (laughs) Janet said, you know, we don't have it all figured out. And I don't think that anybody does, but we can definitely learn from people who have it more figured out than we do or who have been in the game longer, quite literally. I love you. Thank you for tuning in and put some heart into everything that you do today.